Hi everyone, Life of Emerald presents five episode podcast series on women's equilibrium and the meaning of marriage, welcoming Dr. Adrienne, the founder of That's Allowed podcast and an author of Melting Ivory and Sunderlight, the author of Here Lies Sunderlight. Hi ladies, welcome to our studio. Hello. Hello. <laughs> on our fifth episode, the last episode, uh, here's our recap. In our episode one, we talked about the meaning of marriage and the purpose in 2020. Second episode, we spoke about balance for women around the globe. What does that mean? And our third episode, when marriage does not work, what's next? We introduced the concept of conscious uncoupling. And the fourth episode is dialogue about what does it mean to have a healthy relationship, partnership, marriage, and union. And today we are going to tackle on our final series practical ideas for women, fulfill, women fulfilling a solo's journey. So, uh, Heather Garbutt. She is the Conscious Uncoupling Director of the Conscious Counseling and Psychotherapy Center in United Kingdom. Share this quote with us. What a beautiful podcast exploring so well all of the aspects of separation and conscious uncoupling for a better future for all. So kudos to us ladies. Neat. Thanks, <laughs> Heather. <laughs> <laughs> so today let's get very practical we want to empower women's solo journey forward and have you heard of Artemis the archetype ladies Artemis yes yeah maybe through conversations with you Kate okay very good so Artemis <laughs> is a goddess of the hunt the moon and the wilderness is the personification of an independent feminine spirit archetype she represents enables a woman to seek her own goals on terrain of her own choosing. I thought her name is special. Yesterday I uh, was listening to NASA STEM program about four men engaging in the Artemis generation and the NASA Artemis program will land the first woman and next man on the moon by 2024 and these gentlemen were speaking about everything they like to do and support women to land on the moon as the next significant historical events event so I thought that was a synchronistic idea um, timing that's happening all over the world empowering women so ladies today I have strings of questions to fire away are we ready we are yeah. ready. yeah so when we decide to leave a relationship what was most helpful making that decision? I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, the first thing that always lets me know that it's okay is literally that feeling that you have that like you're in a situation that is no longer something that suits you or fills you or makes you feel good for being part of it. So I almost want to say the first feeling is actually of relief, at least from my experience. Uh, Dr. Adrian, do you want to answer? That's that's an interesting way to put it. Like that that the first feeling is is relief. I think there's it's like grief and relief for kind of like tied tied up together often. Um, but I would say I, I, is the question like how do you know when it's time to move on? What's what was the what was the question exactly? 
Uh, so when we decide to leave a relationship, what mm-hmm. was most helpful making that decision? So once you In make a decision, decision, oh, making the decision. Okay. Yeah. yeah so for me, it's when I realize that the person that I am when I'm with that person is not the person that I want to be. That is always the thing that helps me kind of decide like it's time, it's time to go. Because the most important relationship is the relationship with yourself. And so if that relationship is affecting your relationship with yourself, like you feel like you're not in your integrity, you feel like you're not able to be authentically yourself, if you're not feeling like you love this version of yourself, then it's time to go. Got it. Yeah. Um, Sorry, can I add on to mine then? Because I realized I only wrote, not wrote, I only explained what it felt like. So in my mind, the the steps, or at least knowing it, is having you kind of sit with yourself to realize like there are so many things. And so similar to like what Dr. Adrian was kind of sharing, um, but I guess more it's like me to like try to have it be that it's the relief. But I, I do understand what you're saying about like the whole grief thing is because like it's that realizing that there's a part of you that's literally become part of this relationship like the relationship itself has taken on like its own in my mind kind of like um sentient being like you could almost think about what the person might be thinking or what they might say but in that realizing that it's no longer serving or it's no longer having you grow like the first couple steps is realizing that it's not it's not something that's going it's something that in my mind would actually have you no longer being yourself. So like having, like what Dr. Adrian is saying, like that first relationship with yourself, it, it's almost like it's taking a side step. Um, so a lot of times for me, when I realize that I'm no longer doing something that I feel like is something that I want, the first step is actually realizing what it is that is having me not be that way. And a lot of times, yes, yeah, sometimes we can say it's in the relationship that we're in, um, but anytime you feel like you're in that type of thing, and I know right now we're talking relationships, but like I've also felt that with like work and stuff sometimes too, um, where you no longer feel like you are in a state of growth. Um, so I guess for me, the, the first step before even having like the relief is realizing like the first step is having that conversation with myself of like, why do I feel this way? Because I mean, I'm not saying that you have to end a relationship because sometimes having that conversation could actually heal it. Um, But if you are feeling like you are in a state where you are no longer, I almost want to say like a sickness. I don't know. Now I'm I'm thinking of a different way of saying it. Um, But I guess the first step is is really realizing that you're not in a happy space with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you could have that change around, what would that look like? Because I feel like if you're in a relationship where it is kind of toxic, you wouldn't actually have relief. So I guess the first stage is finding that you're not in a state of comfort. Um, But yeah, I guess that's the first stage of it. Relief would be what would happen after you've you've freed yourself from having a state of feeling like you're, you're not yourself or you're not loving to what you want to create in your life and with another person. So the recognition that we are not happy where we are in that moment of making that decision yeah. and what's helpful is acceptance and making fun accordingly, right? Yeah. And self and self uh, self-compassion too. 
recognizing that, you know, maybe you've stayed a little longer than you should have, you know, or, or would have if you'd been a little more <laughs> self-aware, you know, and having compassion for yourself in that moment and saying, you know, I, I did my best. <laughs> I, I worked with what I had to work with at the time. And um, just, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what it really comes down to is just, like you said, acceptance and self-compassion. Yeah, this is a big thing, self-compassion. Sometimes we lack it because there's a lot of, you know, the narrative that we don't leave a marriage. That's mm. like marriage, right. we don't leave it, right? And there's- so You're that, giving up, you're yeah. a quitter. Yeah. So it's navigating that paradox with between my happiness, their happiness, and the societal script what happiness they subscribe for us is a fine balance yeah actually I would love to hear you guys' point on that because like Dr. Adrian and Kate like I don't know what you've experienced but have you ever ended a relationship where people who are on I guess like family or friends have actually said things that made you question your thoughts behind it behind giving yourself that compassion and that generosity mm, good question well when I left my first marriage, which, uh, as you might know, was very abusive <laughs> and really messed up, um, my family actually took his side uh, uh-huh. because, yeah, he was a very—he's a very, very charming uh, person. Yeah. Often, uh, you know, narcissists tend to be like that, uh, and just had everybody kind of tied around his finger. And so he convinced everybody that I was the one who was being, you know, unreasonable, a drama queen, uh, making stuff up about him, and I, and I at the time was so kind of. Uh, separated from myself if that makes sense uh that i questioned myself as well like Mm -hmm. i i i actually was so gaslit at the time that i was like maybe he's right maybe this is all my fault um and so when my you know when my family kind of took his side it was really really hard for me and there was a lot of them trying to talk me into giving him another chance uh even though i had already given him about five (laughs) by that time (laughs) Um, and part of it was that they didn't know the extent of everything that was going on because, of course, there was a lot of shame and I didn't want to talk about what was really happening um, because it didn't make me look very good. Uh, nobody likes to be a victim, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Uh, but so I actually had to, for, for I'd say the first time in my life, kind of separate myself from my family uh, emotionally and say, okay, that's their opinion. They don't have all the facts. They don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I know they love me and I know that they want what's best for me. And I, at the end of the day, am responsible for taking care of me. And so to do right by them, I actually have to do the opposite of what they're telling me to do right now. <laughs> it was very confusing in the moment. <laughs> but but over time, I think you you find that more and more that you know what someone's telling you is is best uh, they don't necessarily know what's best. You know, they, they think they do, they think they understand, but they don't. And the, and the bottom line is that nobody gets a vote except you about your own life. I like that. that. Nobody gets a vote except for you. So I was, I told my mom about my situation and the, the initial reaction from her was there is 
you know, he, he is a nice man. He doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't use drugs. So that, it's, I thought, okay, that's a valid point. How about me? Because there's a sentiment around, he is mm, sort of better. So I had that impression from her. So I told her, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't use drugs. Might as well, I am also a good person. Maybe it's his lost. <laughs> you know, so trying to find Right. <laughs> right. That's a really good point too. Yes, mm-hmm. I was able to see her perspective from my idea that we are both good people, you know, but just doesn't work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into the second question. With the acceptance that this relationship has outgrown my our shell like crab you know growing out of the crab shell what prepares you or us and us to leave a relationship did we cover that i really like what you were just saying there that there doesn't have to be faults there doesn't have to be blame assigned it doesn't have to be that like someone did something wrong or that they're a bad person or you discovered that you know they're in some unacceptable to you in some way um it could just be that you've grown in different directions and Mm -hmm. you've come to a place where you're no longer the right fit for each other at this Mm -hmm. point in your lives and there's nothing wrong with that yeah yeah the crab shell comes up yeah we 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 outgrow our shell sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of times hmm so what sort of inner questions should one be mindful inner questions you know we're full, filled with gr- uh, gr- grief like dr adrian you mentioned and really Sunderlight you mentioned we are mm-hmm. just so in paradoxical reality during this transition so what inner question should one be mindful what do I value what is most important to me what is the life that I want to build uh, I think those are the very most important things that you can be focused on in a relationship or out mm-hmm. and I think once you get out of a relationship that was kind of holding you back from those values or from building the life that you really wanted um, that's a perfect time to really go deep on that and build out you know very clearly like what is it that i actually want to create what are my gifts what are my values and what do i want to create in the world yeah and um to to go back to um your first question about at, or i guess the third question um, about how do you prepare yourself to end or uncouple those relationships? And like Dr. Adrian said, I love your example about not having either sides um, being at fault. Um, one thing, one thing that I'm starting to ask myself a lot more is, at least within past relationships, like what was I not willing to take blame for? 
because I feel like so often we, like Dr. Adrian was saying, like so, questioning it sometimes. And I do that so often when a relationship would end and people are like, oh, we'll think about it, give it another try. All of a sudden I'm starting to think like, oh, well, what triggers or what what was I raised with that I saw that um, I might still be holding on to? Because so often I, I hear people talking about like um, PTSD, not just being for people who have gone to um, war or anything like that. Literally, it could be it just be traumatic stress that was given to you uh, as a as a child growing up in your development stages. And so sometimes I, I think the thing that we overlook, um, but we all have, is realizing at what areas um, during certain parts of relationships um, were we blamed that we didn't have to take blame for, but at what other areas were we only putting blame? Because I feel like what you were saying, Kate, it is very possible to end relationships in such a, a conscious way that it doesn't have to have either side feel like they're being at fault. Uh, but the question that you're asking about like what kind of questions we could ask ourselves, I think the biggest one is like, what haven't I discovered in a relationship yet? Because I find that a lot of my past relationships, they had ended, I think prematurely because the the other partner or my my significant others at the times would cheat on me and I don't know I, I just feel like no one ever deserves that although at the same time I, I I started questioning after like the third time that it happened I'm like what am I doing so I I think one of the big questions I I like to ask myself now or two of them is um what are my triggers that allow me to like just end things right away and the second one is like what haven't I learned in relationships yet because if a relationship is to help you develop whatever it is that we are here as humans on earth to discover, I really hope that we're able to discover it before we find our significant ones. Like, I want to be like Dr. Adrian, where like, I know I won't give up. And when I do find it, I just know it's so worth it. Um, regardless of me getting married or not, but like finding the one. And then at the same time, knowing that like, when you're going through this process, like what haven't I discovered? Because I don't know, maybe that's the same thing that your your first relationship had gone through, Adrian. Like, he had so many things he was working on, and he was still blaming you and convincing other people. And so it's like, okay, maybe there's not always fault, although what what have I not learned that allows people to feel that way um, and would say those kind of things about us after we've lost, left their lives, knowing that we had no intent on having them feel that way? Um, but those are my questions. Sorry, I, I kind of took a little section out there. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, this is a never-ending inquiry, and it's so much fun. It's so much fun, yeah, because we're living it, and as we learn, we live, we learn so much of wisdom and about ourselves, and we deepen our understanding of what I want, what we want, and what we can let the other have as well. Right? You know, I like the idea of walking a communal walk in Spain. You walk alone and you let, you meet, you merge with people who are on the same pace, however long that might be, it might be five minutes or five days. And I look at marriage now as if that, you know, communal walk, we're, we're walking a communal walk in life. And marriage can mean it could last five years or 50 years. It doesn't really determine the quality or the it it does it does that still validate there is love between the two people uh, yeah and i've yeah. talked with three people four people whatever <laughs> oh, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> let, let, let's go into a little bit of um 
mm, sort of a spiral. Um, what? Why is there such resistance to ending of a relationship? Mm-hmm. Like the concept of death. Well, I think it, it, it's like you said. You know, we resist death, right? Death is very scary to us, and so the death of a relationship feels very scary. And when you have had, when you've had that bond with someone for a long time, it's like I think Sondra was saying that it's like it becomes this entity in and of itself. That energetic cord that ties you together is is a real thing. You know, it's like when the you know how trees they have like networks of communication where they're actually connected with each other. Uh, humans are like that too. And the more you feed a connection, like the stronger it grows. And so it does take a while, even not necessarily even to sever that connection, but just to kind of starve it out, to put your energy elsewhere and to let that connection just sort of naturally thin out. <laughs> And the more you are putting energy into being angry at that person or wanting to separate from them and feeling like you can't separate from them, the stronger it becomes. What you resist persists. Mm-hmm. And so it gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And when love kind of goes in and, and turns in on itself and becomes hate, it, it becomes like an even more powerful cord between the two of you. And so I think one of the things we have to learn, like you were saying about conscious uncoupling, is that conscious decision to just let that energy refocus someplace else. And when you miss that person, just take a moment and miss them, you know, send them love and light, and then do something else. <laughs> Instead of having that, you know, agony of, should I talk to them? Should I not talk to them? Should I do this? Should I do that? How do I fix this, you know, broken bond instead of just recognizing that you know that bond was what it was and the only way to fix it now is to just let it be it's like when someone's dead you can't bring them back right <laughs> you just have to accept that and you have to grieve and let them go Sunderlight what do you think Well, two things, and actually that was really well said. Um, I, I just want to add on, because I, I know when you were talking specifically about like resisting, has it persist? Um, one thing that I remember before I even met Daniel, I, I did a workshop about why people are having difficulties with relationships. And one of the, the big points they brought up was this idea behind jealousy and how it had um, derived off of scarcity and how there's this whole idea that people feel like there's only a set amount of relationships. I don't know where that came up, but like it, it kind of is that way. Sometimes people feel like they're in a relationship and they have to hold on to it. Like they, they fail a relationship that it's going to be like, okay, well now I'm going to have 10 failed relationships. I can't have 11, whatever it is. Um, and so all of a sudden people in this like mindset of how relationships are, they feel like it, it has to be a certain way. And if you don't stay in a relationship, you're going to have less likely of a chance of finding someone else. And it's, it's this whole thing, like in this morass of like jealousy of like feeling like if you lose something, but then also realizing you can't lose anything if it's yours um and so same thing with it like you had mentioned again like it being like its own entity all of a sudden like you almost lose sight that the way you're actually feeling isn't of benevolence and it isn't of, a, of happiness or filled with love 
it's almost like a control kind of thing. And so I think the thing that makes it hard, harder, is when people have this mentality that if a relationship ends, it is more a more reflection of them failing than them falling forward. Because if you end a relationship, whether you thought it was great and the other person said no, like let's consider that on some on some part of this relationship it wasn't working. Um, so I, I think the thing that that makes it hard sometimes for people to split is to realize that communication really isn't had. Um, and at least for my experience, I haven't had it too much where I've ever been forced to stay in a relationship. Uh, but I, I would assume that's why a lot of people would feel that way. Now, specifically for me, why I usually feel a certain way when relationships are ending that maybe I wasn't ready for is because I, I, I didn't know exactly why certain actions were taken. Like I'd mentioned, like, um, at least for two of the exes that had ended the relationship by cheating and then me finding out, like, I almost feel like I could still be friends with them um, right now. It, it's not that way because... I know that they're in relationships and similar. They they don't want to be talking to people of opposite sexes while they're in a relationship. I'm like, okay, there's still things happening. Oh, I the times when when people see relationships that they don't want to end, I think it says a lot more about how maybe the way they see things, they they want things to be constant. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't dealt with it too much on the other side. So this is actually a really big eye opener on my side to see why maybe on other sides it doesn't always end on a on a clean note. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the attachment is a real thing. The energy, uh, Dr. Adrian, you mentioned. Yeah. What you say, it, it reminds me of what the quantum physicists talk about, quantum entanglement. And it's yes. a concept in quantum physics that when you are involved with anybody, either hold, handing, holding hand, <laughs> holding hands, kissing, uh, hugging, having sex, or even just thinking about them, there's a it creates a field in the quantum uh, field. There, there, the energy gets mixed. So you mentioned about the tree trunk, the tree root. We're all connected in this big network. And when we get involved, it, that connection gets more grounded and solidified. And how do we untangle that? Um, Sunderlight, you mentioned about could the jealousy part and the moving on and the complexity around jealousy. I recently found the opposite of jealousy. There's such a thing it's called compersion. It's wishing. Uh -huh. Yeah, compersion. It, it's a feeling one might have for the best friend who, who's happy in a romantic relationship. So as we part ways, yeah, wishing him or her whatever happiness they have is happy for me. So I thought that was a, break, a breakthrough um, concept for me personally, compersion. Compersion, yeah. Yeah, that's what I felt when uh, when my second husband, Sid, met uh, Renee. I felt compersion. I felt like, wow, these people are so good together. And that that version of him that I met then, I said, that is the best version of him. He should be this person. 
And I, and I, like you said, it, when you're really happy for someone else, it brings you joy as well. And you get that kind of residual joy of just being around that person who's so happy. So compersion's a wonderful thing. It depends on who though. <laughs> sure. But, but we can certainly strive for compersion every time we leave our relationship. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> The next question for all of us is mm -hmm. the next or even yeah go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say even within a relationship if you're in a polyamorous relationship or even just recognizing that you know when your partner has a best friend or a, a family relationship that's really important to them those relationships can deepen and enrich enrich your relationship as well Yeah you mentioned polyamory here exactly uh, perfect timing because the conversion idea came from polyamory. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that is awesome! <laughs> yeah, so our next question. Okay. What has been helpful during the grief process post-breakup? I know mm -hmm. you ladies mentioned about a few bits and pieces here and there. What mm -hmm. was practically helpful during the grief process? Writing letters uh, is always really helpful. Letters that you do not send, let me be very clear about that. <laughs> These letters are for you. <laughs> you do not need to explain yourself to your ex, okay? If they are committed to misunderstanding you, there is absolutely nothing you can do about that. So I always say, don't complain and don't explain, okay? Your ex doesn't need to hear your complaints about the relationship that no longer is, nor do they need to have your explanation mm -hmm. of why you don't need to be in it anymore. Neither of those things are helpful. What is helpful is writing down your own thoughts for yourself and writing a letter to this person just to get everything out and make sure that it's not taking up real estate in your head. Get it all out. And then you might discover that there's sort of a kernel of something that you want to say. But just, again, check in with yourself. Make sure it's something kind and it's something useful for them. If you can give them something kind and useful, always do. If you can't, say nothing. <laughs> and again, when you think of them, just give yourself that moment to think of them fondly and wish them happiness and send them love and light. Uh, and and do that every time. You know, I, I, I think it's really helpful to have a ritual or to have a little um, mantra that you say whenever that person comes up in your mind uh, so that you can really send them good energy, but then keep your energy for yourself and recognize that they don't get access to that energy anymore. Oh, I love that real estate concept. Yeah. 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 Um, I never took the letter approach, although in my, my, um, I, I, I almost feel like it's bad advice though, but I, I liked whatever. So my first one, I, I always do it and I, I feel really good about this one. Um, I always would either go to a gym or I would start a new type of challenge. Um, and that's just me. Cause I, I feel like a lot of my, my way of like getting things out is very much like physical. Yeah. Um, so I would I would do those six week challenges or I, I, my my second really bad when I was in Los Angeles, I ended up joining a CrossFit gym. That was so much fun. And we actually, within like the realm of it, we ended up having like this 
downtown LA bar crawl. So it was from like different like um uh, different bars like um like uh that you would do at the gym like and so like we'd have like six different CrossFit gyms that you would go to in like the same Saturday and we just like would go all the way around. It's so much fun. Um and then the second one that I did, I only did it once, but it's only funny because it got me into like what I would consider like my second greatest relationship that then had me meet Daniel. Um, I did sign up for that app, like that Tinder app. But what I did was like, I specifically told these gentlemen, like for the first three weeks, like I did not want to like meet anyone. I just wanted to have really good conversations, um, which was amazing. Cause then for the ones that actually still wanted to like stick around just for friendship, we ended up doing things that like I wanted to do. Like it wasn't like go to like dinner and the movies. It was like, let's like, can you teach me how to make my best Dutch apple pie? Or like, I don't know how to ice skate. Will you learn with me? And so it was kind of like taking people out of their element, but it was also having me realize like, I didn't need someone to be like loving to do certain activities that I thought were more of like me learning that. Like in the mindset, I would have made them like, oh, this is so like us, this is so intimate. But no, I made it more into like me trying to learn how to like have someone be there that I, I knew I didn't know. Oh, that I wanted to learn things and there were people out there who granted I never ended up dating them but it was really great to like have these people who really liked to cook or really liked to do things on the ice like treat me like kind of like someone that they were like I guess they could consider it a date but, like for me like I saw it as like a real friendship where I still talk to two of these gentlemen like who taught me how to make like, an apple pie and then this other gentleman who helped, helped me learn how to like ice skate where it's like realizing that like sometimes other people, like you never know what your role is in their life, but knowing that they're in relationships now, like I was someone at the time that maybe they wanted to be in a relationship, but saw me more as a friend. Um, you create different opportunities for people to see what it would look like to get over grieving stages. Cause I didn't know what it was gonna be like when I left California, but if I wouldn't have taken a few of these steps, one, I don't think I'd be ready for Minnesota. Like I didn't realize learning how to ice skate was gonna be so important for someone from California. Um, <laughs> but then it also just, yeah, it just had me realize like how often people don't have to be romantic, but if they want to be in your life, you can still allow them to, especially when you're going through like whatever it is for people to go through a, a breakup that literally does feel like a lifetime of what could have been and, like, you never know. Um, but yeah, th those are my two things. I, I like to be physical and then I like to learn new skills. So that's Sandra, my, that's, my that you, you hit on something so important that I, I really want to talk about, which is find a new game. This is so, Ooh. so important because when you get caught up in the game of a breakup, you can stretch that out and stretch that out and it can become your life for way too long because it's this drama and you can feed it over and over again because it's the only thing you've got going on in your life. And so it's super duper duper important. The way our brains work, we can't just stop doing something. We have to start doing something else. And so it's really important, like you said, learn a new skill or make a new friend or challenge yourself in some way. Find yourself a new game 
of some kind so that you're creating something new for yourself that's important for you rather than just spending all your energy going back because you can you can go over and over like what was that last thing he said and what did that mean and you know why did I say this and why did I do that and why did this happen and it's like you can just drive yourself crazy going down that rabbit hole <laughs> yeah well also great point here um something that pops up is that you know Sandra like you're setting a structure in tinder that by saying I am not looking for a right blah but there are gentlemen out there who you and he needed in this in a dosage that was appropriate just at the time and dr. Adrian you mentioned find a game find a new game because we're just so occupied our brain is designed to be expanding so why don't we not why not let's not go down the rabbit hole but instead creatively uh, go down go up the ladder it's it's a two thing two, two same thing but where are you gonna choose to go bad neighborhood or good neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> okay our last question for today let's see mm, yes ladies I have no more questions here um, I have a picture of Artemis in front of me. She is holding a bow and an arrow pointing at a target and she looks very calm, composed, grounded and truthful in her in her eyes, what she's looking for, what she's targeting. And with this photo in mind, in your mind, what are the last bits and pieces that you would like to leave our audience listening with today when you said truth that really struck me that she has truth in her eyes and I think that is the most important thing is don't lie to yourself about what you really want you have to this is an opportunity for you to really get in touch with what do I really want what do I really need what is most important to me and really be loyal to that. Be authentically you and be loyal to who you are and what you want, no matter what. Despite all of the invitations to <laughs> compromise, despite all the, you know, people telling you very, very helpfully, very practically, like, oh, well, that's not, you know, that's not very realistic. Screw that. Don't <laughs> let anyone tell you what is probable. Focus on what is possible and what you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, when I think about the picture of the arrow and the target, I think that a lot of times when we're faced with an opportunity to hit a bullseye so often, we don't actually look at the target. So often, I, I do this, I'm gonna call myself out, so often I look at every place it could go where I wouldn't hit the target. And then I don't know what <laughs> surprised me that I wouldn't hit the target. I was like, I wasn't even looking. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that I am grounded now with this, this photo of the goddess in my head, I think the reason that this is even brought up, at least in this archetype, is knowing that we all have that power to choose where we're actually going to seek where we want to aim 
and being truthful to ourselves where we're actually aiming for and taking our time because we have this shot. And even if it doesn't land on the bullseye, it will land where we have our set target. Um, And with these conversations and with all of these types of people and different circumstances that are in our lives, I really hope that it gives us more focus to realize that this goddess might come in the form of everyone else that has us shoot truthfully to which we have targeted. And with that, I hope that everyone who is listening aims true to what they focus on within not only their relationships, but know that they are guided by their own self-love. Equally excellent. I feel we accomplished the equilibrium and balance and um, justice, hopefully. So today, this was the fifth episode of the podcast series um, on practical ideas of women fulfilling a solo journey. Ladies, I could talk to you ladies forever about this topic <laughs> at the very end. Um, <laughs> here's a structure. We must begin and we end and then we begin anew. So Hi. we will see you ladies around. Ladies, ladies later. See you next time. Travel. Bye. So the Life of Emerald, I am Kate Emerald. Life of Emerald presents five episode podcast series on women equilibrium and the meaning of marriage. Welcoming Dr. Adrian, the founder of That's Allowed podcast and an author of Melting Ivory and Ivory and Sunderlight, the author of Here Lies Sunderlight. So long. See you later. Take care. Ciao. Bye. <laughs>